0: All right, before I get to my next guest, and Andy Lano has jumped back in, and I can't thank Andy enough for his time. I want to give a quick shout out to our good friends at the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. And folks, if you haven't hit Ben Hogan irons since the 80s or the 90s, do yourself a favor and get a demo iron of either their Fort Worth PTX or new PTX Pro or edge irons and go out on the range and compare them to whatever it is you have. All Ben Hogan irons and wedges are handcrafted one at a time they their Fort Worth, Texas factory. So... No mass production, no shortcuts. Now you can get custom-made irons, wedges, hybrids by going online to BenHoganGolf.com. And they're going to build those clubs to your specifications and, best of all, charge you a fraction of the typical retail price. Check out their complete line of forged irons and wedges, plus their utility irons, hybrids, bags, accessories, and new GS53 driver and fairway woods, which are absolutely spectacular. I've read a lot of good reviews, got them in my hands. I love how they feel and how they swing. Check it all out online by going to benhogangolf.com. I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Golf Pride. In Golf, light grip pressure releases power. Golf Pride engineered a secret the pros know. A larger lower hand encourages lighter pressure. Plus 4 technology is designed with four additional layers which reduces tension in the lower hand to generate more power. Play plus 4 and release the secret pros know. Now available on Tour Velvet, the winningest grip on tour. Grip confidence. Grip Golf Pride. All right, now back with me on the French Liquor Resort guest line is Andy Leno, and Andy is, like I said last week, becoming a regular here on the show. He's absolutely spectacular. He was a caddy on tour for 25 years for guys like Kenny Perry. He also got on the bag for Tom Watson, Peter Jacobson, Nick Baldo, guys like that, plus Michelle Wee. When she was uh, there fighting against the PGA Tour pros uh, when she entered the uh, men's PGA event, also our good friends Dave Stockton and Richard Zoel. Played high school golf at Deer High School in Portland, Maine, and his college golf at Western Kentucky University. He was on the bag for about 40-plus majors and the uh, 2004 U.S. Ryder Cup. And I'm very excited that I got him to come back on the show with me again this week. Hey, Andy, how are you, my friend? Chris, long time no see. How's it been? (laughs) 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 How did did, did Boston (laughs) treat you? Well, i tell you, i, I so tell you two stories, Andy. The city was fantastic. You know, going out on the West End, a shout-out to uh, Mama Maria's uh, there on the West End. Great Italian food, had a great night there. Uh, had a great first night at Fenway Park last week against the Angels on uh, Friday night. A nice 16-4 to win. Had absolutely everything a Red Sox fan, and it was my, my son's uh, first trip to Boston and certainly first trip to Fenway. Had everything you could want. When you're when you've got a Red Sox Angels matchup, you got to see Mike Trout play, who's going to be a Hall of Famer one day. He had a double in the game. He saw his favorite player, Mookie Betts, hit a home run. JD Martinez was four for five with a couple of home runs. Everything was great. And then the next day happened. And the exact opposite <laughs> thing happened and they lose twelve to four. So sixteen to four win to a twelve to four loss. So from the highs to the lows. But the city itself, Andy, could not have been better you know, uh, legal seafood for lobster, which was outstanding. So we had a great time in the city. and We had a great time the first night, not so much the second day. Right, Fred? The Red Sox are absolutely killing me.
1: Yeah, you know, my wife always looks at me all the time. She goes, boy, she goes, I appreciate your passion and love for your sports teams. She goes, but they don't love you back. And we've all heard that. <laughs> a bunch, but you know what? When you're a sports fan, that's just the way it rolls out. And, and Fenway's a magical place.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, we got to sit up on the on the Green Monster that first night. So, like I say, everything about that first game was uh, as good as it could be. How, how was And that, you want to get it? Yeah. Oh, how was it? It's I highly recommend it, my friend. If if you've never sat up on the Monster, I highly recommend I it. I haven't. Um, I'm working on yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's outstanding. Yeah, it's outstanding. I mean, the... The vantage point is great. I mean, you know, and how, how quaint Fenway is anyway. So it's not like you're sitting up in the nosebleeds and it's like a little bunch of ants running around down there. The vantage point is great. Um, the guys are obviously right there. Like, you know, say so Mike Trout was, you know, right there at center field from where we were at. And, and then when the Red Sox were in the field, uh, you know, uh, 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 Ben Attendee right below us and JBJ right to our left and, uh, it's a great way to watch a ball game and to see everything develop. It's it's outstanding. If you, I highly recommend it. If you get a chance, my friend, you got to make that happen.
1: I'm trying. I'm trying. Did you get any balls come whistling by you since you know, all those high-scoring games? Those, uh, the balls are going out of there pretty oh. quick.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, we didn't have one come near us, but uh, sort of to the left and to the right. So uh, Mookie hit one right down the uh, left field line, so a few uh, rows over from where we were at. Uh, you know, completely out of the stadium. JD hit, hit one completely out of the stadium. The other one was a dead center. But uh, we were there for batting practice, so we were hoping that uh, we might get one. And there was a kid that was uh, in, in the in the section just to our right caught three. We didn't get one. So um, yeah, that's Dang. a lesson learned for Dang. next time. Yeah, that's a little lesson exactly. learned for next time. But uh, yeah, a great uh, a great time. So I had a great time with my son. And hey, you want to get to your perspective as a guy who was on the bag for as long as you were. Obviously, the big topic this week is slow play. What's it like for you and your guy on uh, that's, that's actually playing in the event when you're when you've got someone in front of you that's taking their own sweet time? How do you deal with that?
1: Well, uh, for me, it's as in my position, it was always about kind of gauging that and being out there as long as I was. You kind of know who are the guys that play fast, who play slow, who's, you know, you kind of know, you know, you're a guy, who he's going to get along with, who's a good pairing, who may or may not be a good pairing. But, it, but like you said, it's an adjustment thing. So, you know, you've got to try to still go about your business and still be able to deliver what you need to your guy because really that's all that's important. And you try to really not pay much attention to it. Um, and that's the way that I always approached it. I was. I'm a pretty fast walker, so I always got out there, got my information, did my prepper, preparing before, you know, my guy would get there, so I could get a quote, you know, get ahead of the game. That was always my goal for 18 holes, because I never wanted to be holding up anybody, and I didn't want to hold up my pro.
0: And you know, you know, one of the things that uh, people are talking about is, and obviously, you know, Bryson has become the poster child for this, and I'm sure he's not the only one. It just happened to be this past weekend where he took an extended amount of time but they talk about making sure that you're doing all of your pre-shot, you know, stuff, yardage, you know, checking the wind, doing all that sort of thing that you're going to do in order to be prepared to select the right club and go and go make your swing doing that while the other guys are lining up their shots and getting prepared so that you're not starting your routine after everybody else has played do you see that as an issue out there? Are you seeing guys or did you see guys while you were out there sort of waiting and watching and then starting and getting their routine going? Or, do, or is that a thing? Is that a thing that you're making sure that your player is doing? Like, all right, let's go. Here, you're, you're 145 yards out. The wind is coming off the right, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So they're ready to pull the trigger as soon as it's their turn.
1: Yes, and, and that's an excellent point that you make and definitely one that is different. Um, for me, I was getting ahead of the game, and I was using the time that you pointed out to, like when the other players, I was getting all that information, whether it was reading a pot, you know, I'd have the pot read already, or, or if it was yardage. I mean, obviously challenges pop up with wind changing and gusting and that kind of thing. The number doesn't change. You know, once you confirm the number at each shot, that generally is always going to be the same but then it's about the condition. So I mean for me I think the the really good caddies out there they already have everything to their pro and and I'm not saying that that Bryson's guy isn't doesn't get him the information. Bryson has a little bit of a different approach. I know his guy does get him all the information. I mean, he's probably one of the only guys out there that can caddy for Bryson because he has a little bit of a different approach. So with that, most of the most of the guys out there that you would know, they're doing all their stuff and they're getting it done and they're ready to roll because when the time comes, as you know, you roughly have 40 seconds depending on your order of play, 40, then it jumps up to 45 and I think the last guy gets 50. So pending on, you know, searching for a ball and all these other things that come into it, I mean, yes. I mean, we, we always wanted to be ready and my pro wants his information uh, also you know he wants to be ready to go so cuz it's all about rhythm as you know you play golf when do you play your best golf when you're in a rhythm
0: so andy what what do you think in order for the, the tour to kind of get these guys to move along what what's the right penalty what what's the right thing to do i mean i'm i'm kind
1: of it, it's a mixed i'm I'm mixed about it a little bit but i'm kind of in the Rory camp You know, I think they need, somebody needs to step up and, you know, if you're out of position and you're, you know, you're not where you're supposed to be, they need to start slashing some shots because I can tell you that if that happens, you're going to put the fear of you know what into quite a few guys. And again, we're not out here to ruin the game. We're not out there to ruin the product. And, you know, the golf, golf is, you know, they're playing for a lot of dough. We know that there's a lot of, there's a lot on the line and that's what makes it tough for these tour officials to pull the trigger on whether they're gonna penalize these guys or warn them or whatever. That's the biggest issue that the tour has. I mean, a lot of these guys are beating their time overall. Then again, the other thing to fall back, or the other issue I should say that's overlooked is the TV commercials. Well, TV's donating a large portion. That's why these purses are up to two million bucks for the winner. So if you're in position, and, you know, you're, you, these TV people need time to get their ads in. I mean, I, you know, I mean, that's, those are just facts, and it's kind of overlooked. And I think it, even a lot of the golfers forget, I mean, these guys are paying, you know, for a lot of what they win. Sure, the fans are, and et cetera, and their sponsors, and but that's a big part of it. So it's kind of a really tough gray area. It's a tough line to draw, but I think something's got to be done about it. And, I, you know, I don't want to see someone lose you know, a lot of what they earn, you know, you play 71 or two or 72 holes, and all of a sudden they take two of your hard earned shots away from you because you were out of position. But something's got to be done if they're really interested in speeding it up. It's been an issue for a long time, as you know.
0: Mm-hmm. And a couple more before I let you go. And uh, 30 years ago today, uh, the late great Payne Stewart won the uh, 1989 PGA championship. You had responded on social media. You were there, Kemper Lakes, north of Chicago. What do you remember about being part of that event? Well,
1: I remember, you know, obviously it was only my second, or th- I mean, it might, be, it might have been my second or third, it was my third year out there. And so I was always excited to just be in attendance at a major. And I and I can remember obviously I, I, there's a few things that I remember off the top of my head just thinking back and one was I remember Payne obviously Payne wore his knickers and he wore his outfits and he had his NFL thing going and I and I can remember him with that Bears uniform on you know the Bears colors he can you see it in all the pictures I can remember that very vividly and I also remember that you know Mike Reed he had the tournament in hand. And honestly, you know, it was really his with three or four holes to go, if I remember right. It was his to win. Not that Payne didn't win it, because he obviously did. But, I mean, Mike Reed was right there with him, right down to the end. Um, you know, the other thing I remember is I created a, you know, this is kind of off the key of that. But, I mean, I created a relationship earlier in the year with my golfer. At that time it was Jim Carter. And we got paired with Lee Trevino uh, like three days in a row at, at Hilton Head. And what a thrill that was to watch Lee Trevino take Hilton Head apart with his creative shot-making, hook it, slice it. I mean, just totally playing by feel. None of this track man and all this other stuff that's going, all this technical stuff. <laughs> that, not, yeah. that is not, as you know, not Lee Trevino. And, he, and what's he won, six majors? So I think he knew what he was doing, so to speak. But spending the time with him, and, and of course he likes to talk, and he loves to eat. So we start talking about restaurants, this, that, whatever, and he always asks the caddies, you know, where, you, where are you guys eating this week? And he kind of knows himself, but he's always looking for different places. Well, earlier in the week, I'd eaten at a really good Italian place there in Chicago. Imagine that, right? Good Italian. So I, he, he happened to see me later in the week. He says, hey, he goes, where, where you been eating? And I told him about this Italian place. He, He ended up going to the Italian place, saw me the next day on the range, and said how good it was. And I think he went out and shot three or four under or something. It was it was just kind of funny how that <laughs> stuff happened. You know, when you, when you have the good dinner, you go out the next day and you play good. But, yeah, that Kemper Lakes, it was the first. It was – I know it's in northern Chicago, and it was a heck of a golf course. And it was challenging. The wind was blowing, and it had a bunch of water on it, um, challenging, you know, forced carries. And like I said, it, it was a thrill. To be there, and and I knew Payne's caddy, and I knew actually Mike Reed's caddy too. So I was I was kind of torn, to be honest with it. But I mean, it was I think that was his first one, I believe. '89 was might have been Payne's first major, because obviously won the two Opens, Um, and I'm pretty sure they came after. 91 Open was Hazeltine, and then he won later on. He won another Open, I believe. He won out at at Olympic Club, I think. Or I might might have mixed up, but I'm pretty sure that was Payne's first major. So it was a thrill to be there, to be part of that. And my guy made the cut. He didn't beat Payne, but it was fun. You know, it was early in my career and I didn't even know what it all meant, to be honest with it. I had no idea what, you know, I knew it was a major. But now looking back, it's like, wow, you know, I mean, that was history.
0: Andy, before I let you go, remind our listeners again about your business, Golf Mastery, and what they can find on your site, golfmastery.net.
1: Right, yeah, golfmastery.net. It's a business that I that I just uh, launched here earlier, earlier and uh, later actually in 2018. And what I'm doing is taking all my experiences and and everything that I have been able to, you know, be blessed to walk next to these guys and see how they practice and see how they get to be as great as they are, and then and also mix in my craft. You know, my craft of you know taking a golf course apart and you know. Watching, you know, and incorporating the mental approach and the psychology of the game, and and, and even as far as even sportsmanship, and you know, because golf is a, you know, as you know, it's a gentleman's game, and in the end, you know, it's it's an individual game, but you know, it's a sportsmanship game, it's an honesty game. You're your own referee out there. I mean, there's a lot of things, as you know, that incorporates into this great game of golf that parallel life. So I'm basically trying to share those experiences, try to inspire people to, you know, invest in the game of golf. And and even if, you know, even if they can't quite get, you know, to be a scratch or a five or a 10, you can still play the game, enjoy it. And I think, I think personally, it's a great thing to to be taking a look at, whether it's for you or your kids or your family, it just brings people together from, you know, all corners of the earth as we've discovered along the way.
0: Andy, I can't thank you you enough for jumping in. Um, tonight and uh, it's always great getting to talk off with you. Always great talking a little Red Sox baseball with you as well and um, I, I can't thank you. Like I said, I can't thank you enough for on the spur of the moment jumping in when I needed you. You're the best, my friend. Look forward to catching up and doing this again real soon.
1: No problem, Chris. Not, you know, always enjoy it. Love love. next on the tee. And I'm always, I was actually trying to key in and try to get, I was trying to log in or whatever, and all of a sudden I got your text because I know it's Tuesday night at 8 p.m. and I'm free behind you. But anyway, I was trying to catch up, but not. no problem. Enjoy it. Appreciate the opportunity and uh, look forward to uh, being on again. Thanks very much.
0: Uh, look. Thank you, Andy. We'll catch up soon. Take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. You too. That's Andy Lano. L-A-N-O. You can follow him on Twitter at a i i for the second, obviously. So at a i i and at A-G-Lano uh, on uh, Instagram as well.